Thank you. Did you remember it was Valentine's Day today? Do you celebrate Valentine's Day? I know for most people it's a money-making scheme. I know. I know that line, we're supposed to love each other every day. Every day should be Valentine's Day. You should make people feel appreciated and love every day, not just Valentine's Day. But of course, that doesn't happen. So despite all the fluff and all the commercialized things around Valentine's Day, I still think it's a good thing to have it. I think it's a good thing to talk about, to think about how we love, who we love, and how we show love. Valentine's Day is really on a Sunday, so I could never let this opportunity pass to just go for it. In the book of Galatians, we read a lot about love, but a good and different kind of love. So on a day where we think about love, it might just be good to just stop with it for a moment. Let's read it together, Galatians 5, verse 13 to 18. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are under no obligation to the law of Moses. With this letter to the Galatians, Paul writes to people who just became Christians. They are still very new to their faith. He writes to them because he went there and then left. And now he's, he's hearing that people might be straying from the path that he wanted, directed them to walk on. He's scared that they are, are hitting and missing the mark. That they are listening to other people telling them to act differently than what he was trying to say. So, they are listening to some people trying to say, listen guys... Yes, it's good that you want to be Christians and follow Jesus, but remember the Jewish traditions too. They tell us to do all sorts of other things. And when Paul came to these people, he said, it's not necessary for you anymore to upkeep all these laws in order to maintain salvation. None of those things are important for you to get salvation, because nothing you can do can give you salvation anyway. You are saved. You have it through the grace and love of Jesus. But so this was radical for these people to listen to. This was radical news because they were so used to following these laws and doing all these different things in order to get grace and love and salvation. And now he tells them the grace that God gave you through Jesus is totally enough. Circumcision, very special diet, only wearing certain clothes. It's not necessary for you anymore because that won't add to your salvation. 
It won't get you higher up in the ranks. It won't get you that corner office. But that doesn't mean you can do whatever you'd like. You still need to live in a certain way. Not because you have to. Not because you do it so that you could tick all the boxes to impress God or anyone else, which was the case with so many of them. You should live in a certain way, yes, please, but because of who Jesus was and how he lived. So yes, that's the assignment. This is the task. Go and live like Jesus lived. That was the mission. Easy. No, he says, it's difficult. I know this is difficult. And it most likely will remain difficult for your entire lives. And then he tells them why. He says, the flesh is stubborn. The flesh doesn't always want to go in the right direction, do the right things. The flesh doesn't always want to choose the right words and the right actions and make the right decisions. And then he goes by saying, but that's because that's why God sends us the spirit. So that the spirit can help us in this radical leap. Let's just read this passage again. For you have been called to live in freedom, brothers and sisters. Do not use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole commandment can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out, you might destroy one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Yes, the book of Galatians is all about how we should live. Paul tells the people how they should live in this way to get a different kind of life. He convinces them that this way of Christian life is the best one yet. He even tells them the characteristics that they need for this life, a life that bears fruit or a life that leads to total disaster. In a way, Galatians is telling us how to get back to the basics. Because sometimes, just sometimes, we might be missing the basics. The news that Paul brings to the Galatians is nothing less than the basics. It's not these very deep theological concepts that only the smartest of smartest will get. It's not that complicated. It might be something new, but he tells them two major things in this, in this scripture. The first one is you don't longer need to be slaves. If I look at a normal day in my life, I realize freedom is not always part of my daily activities. So many times I limit myself to other people, limit myself and my life to just watch how other people do life because I'm scared or hurt, tired, a little bit lazy to give and give and get nothing in return. Sometimes we don't live in the freedom of life because we don't want to make mistakes. We don't want to make the wrong decision. We, so we make no decision at all. We feel we're not ready to live life and life to its fullest because we're not good enough. We're not old enough. We're too old. 
can you agree that sometimes if you look at your day, how many times in that day did you surrender to the world's desires instead of giving your life over to the guidance of the Spirit? We don't longer have to live under this law. We are free to live, to not limit ourselves. This, this wonderful piece of news that says you are free to live because nothing can separate you from the love of God. But then we go on to verse 13, and that's the next thing I want to talk about. The whole law is, is summed up in this one commandment. Yes, you don't need to cut out bacon anymore. You don't need to wear specific clothes anymore. You no longer have to offer sacrifices. You can only live in the freedom of Jesus, in the freedom of his love. And yes, this love carries a responsibility. Because when we live in Jesus... We will no longer just do what we want. We'll do what the Spirit leads us to do. But we don't always do that. On the contrary, in Paul's words, we have this ability to hurt each other, to destroy one another. Sometimes we only think of ourselves and our own desires and our own needs, and that leads us to live a life where we kind of disable ourselves where we don't treat other with respect and love. We don't live like free people who just freely give. And Jesus says, I know you'll struggle with that. I know who you are and how you live, and I know the flesh makes it hard. He knows our flesh is weak, and that sometimes we're going to go in the opposite direction. And that's why we receive the Spirit anew every day. And it's interesting how he says, but the flesh and the spirit will always be in this struggle, this tug of war with one another. Because the spirit wants to go in one direction, but the flesh kind of wants to go in the other direction. The good thing is, the spirit go, is not going anywhere. The spirit will remain in you. If you choose to get this presence every day anew. So it feels like we're sitting with two problems. We are not always so aware of our freedom. We don't always live a, a life full of freedom. And our flesh just doesn't always want to do what it's supposed to do. And then Jesus gives us a solution to this problem. Jesus doesn't want us to just sit and be. He wants us to live in his freedom. And he gives us the answer. Before I give you the answer, he says, we must keep up with the Spirit. <laughs> keep up with the Spirit. Like two people riding on a tandem bike. That's, that's the idea that I get. You can feel if you're riding on a tandem bike and the person behind you is also cycling. You can feel if someone is helping you cycle. Otherwise, it's hard. It's difficult. If the other person is doing nothing at all, it looks like this. And the second one, Andrew, can you? Yeah. <laughs> this has to be South Africa, right? <laughs> I can just see this in Johannesburg happening. <laughs> I mean, that's not a tandem bike. That's, that's not someone actively participating in life. That's not someone saying, yes, this is the life I want to lead. 
this is me trying to get with the spirit and go in the same direction. This is not someone actively participating. This is not freedom to live, to love, to give. I like this idea of a tandem bike. The other one, just go one back, Andrew. This one, I like that idea. So let's say today that you decide to be free again and live in the freedom of Jesus, that you don't, no longer just want to be stuck in this world. You want to ride the bike. You want to get in with it. Your heart's right and you're excited. You want to do what the Lord expects. Not because you have to, not because you want to impress other people, just because you cannot do anything else. So what does that mean with the spirit as your companion in life? You're going to pass other people. You're going to see people next to the road. People who no longer believe. People who don't want to talk about believing. You're going to pass people who are not willing to give their heart to you or even their hand. You will see people who no longer believe in love who love has just became this, this word. Sometimes it feels like that's the world we live in. There are a lot of people along the way. There are many things that we can do for them. There are many questions, sure, that we will not be able to answer. But the one answer we do have is the answer of love. The answer is always love. That's the command. That's the answer. Galatians 5, verse 13 and 14, the whole law is summed up in this one commandment, you must love your neighbor as yourself. The love of which Jesus speaks is the love that fulfills the whole law. Not love that keeps the law, but perfects it, finishes it, fulfills it. Now something funny happens in, in, this, in this Galatians piece too, because Paul is making this whole argument for us to be free, right? And then the passage where he says you should serve one another in love, he writes it strangely. When he uses the word serve, the Greek word he uses is douloueta, and literally translated, it means to be a slave, which is strange, right? He's writing this whole thing about how we're supposed to be free, we aren't slaves anymore, but then he says, serve one another as a slave. So actually how it's supposed to read is, you are supposed to become slaves of love. I don't think he's contradicting himself. I think he's preaching a different style of love. A love that it's focused on the neighbor. A love that is more than just a word. If love is something that we just live with, that we just hold in our hands, it'll do nothing to the people around us. It's not going to change anything to all those people you're going to pass by when you're riding on your tandem bike. We all know that sometimes what we see in other people has a bigger impact on us than what they say. And so what other people see in us speaks louder than what we say, especially when it comes to love. 
a love that is about talking more than it is about doing. That's a love that's, that's difficult to take seriously. A love that does, a love that serves, a love that becomes a slave to your neighbor in love, that's the kind of love that's promoted here. It's not about a love that's just there to seek the favor of others. It's not about getting into other people's good books. This is a love that's free, free from hate and evil and ugly, led by the Spirit to see what Jesus did and will do the same. It's like we saw in that VeggieTale video. Does giving make you happy? No, I give because I am happy. She gives because of what's inside, because she is happy. She shows her love. And that's the difference. Because in this world, people's words don't often count as much anymore. How are people going to believe our love if they can't feel it, see it? Even more, how will people experience Jesus' love? If we don't share it, if it never turns into an act. Now you can easily say, but Leonie, you don't know my life and the people in my life. People don't deserve my love. Often people deserve anything but our love. But isn't that precisely when love becomes true love? When it's hard? When we give it not only because the recipient deserves it, kind of like the love we get from Jesus. A love that's very difficult sometimes to give and very undeserving. We get it anyway. Then love becomes a do word, a verb. I read ver in, ver in, gram in grammar, verbs are signed as a class of words that describes an action. The action of a sentence. A verb is therefore the most important part of a sentence and therefore the easiest to point out. Love is a verb. Or let me say, when love becomes a verb, it will describe our actions, the actions of our life. And love will become the most important thing in our life and therefore the easiest thing to point out. When love becomes a noun, when love becomes something passive, then we leave the spirit behind. To live love is to live in love, to not just hold it in our hearts, in our hands, but to give it freely. Now, Mother Teresa was quoted saying, love cannot remain by itself. It has no meaning. Love has to be put into action and that action into service. Love must be put into action and that action into service. That is ultimately what love calls us to do. Now, we don't want to hear that we are called to serve. We would like to hear we are called to be leaders, pacemakers, visionaries, disciples, yes, influencers, yes, servants, no, thank you. That might ask for too much. I don't have time to serve. How much is that going to ask of me? I've been serving my whole life. Give me a break. 
Dallas Willard wrote, but I believe that the discipline of service is even more important for Christians who find themselves in positions of influence, power, and leadership. To live as a servant while fulfilling social important roles is one of the greatest challenges any disciple will ever face. It lets us be what we are, simply a particularly lively piece of clay who, as a servant of God, happens to be here now with the ability to do this good and this needful thing for that other bit of clay over there. The experience of active love freed up and flowing by faith, he writes, through us on such an occasion will safeguard us from pitfalls of the spiritual life. We must then strive to meet all persons who cross our path with openness to serve them. What can I do? How can I help? What can I give? How can I make your burden lighter? That is to stay in tune with the spirit. That is to get on the bike and go. To live in the freedom as a slave of love. The love Jesus came to show. A love that serves and gives and focuses on those around you. John 1 verse 3 to 18 says it beautifully. Our love must not be a thing of words and fine talk. It must be a thing of action and sincerity. May our love be a thing of action and sincerity this week. Amen.